Americas, live and underway here on ESPN Plus. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. Just around 9.42 on the East Coast, 6.42 out West. And Herc, we are coming to the good people, our good friends, fans, and viewers in the immediate aftermath of the United States facing off against El Salvador and CONCACAF Nations League play. How you doing, my man, after a very busy weekend around our part of the soccer world? I'm doing well. Um, nice, refreshed, energized. How you doing? You mm -hmm. look better. Good, good. I, I saw the tweet that you put up on social media, uh, making it look like I was sleeping before the show. I want people. To I know made I it just, look like you were sleeping. I was buried in my phone doing intense research. Okay. Um, okay. So we got lots coming in this show. Obviously, we are going to recap the United States against El Salvador, a game that just wrapped up down at Exploria Stadium in Orlando. We're also going to be talking about Mexico, two-two draw against Jamaica last night at Azteca, lots to discuss there. And then our good friend Jeff Kasuf is gonna be joining us. He's actually in Los Angeles. He was at both uh, Angel City and San Diego Wave games this weekend. So lots to discuss as the NWSL wrapped up its opening weekend last night. But as we mentioned, let's start with the highlights from the United States against El Salvador in CONCACAF Nations League play. Borsia, the TIFO. Who's that supposed to be? Beautiful force. Uh, just a couple minutes in here, and look out. El Salvador with an early attack, Herc. Yeah, Enrique cutting out off to his uh, right foot. Uh, early attack, they struck first. It's a very good save for Matt Turner. Uh, second glance, you can see he gets that paw there. Looks like he comes down awkwardly on that shoulder, though. Half hour mark, still 0-0. Giorena from distance just drags it wide. Got a little touch there from the goalie. Yeah, that's probably the only save that the El Salvadorian goalkeeper really had to make in the first half. Uh, a few here and there, but that was about as good as it got. All right, 42nd minute, Serginho Dest, the cross. Christian Pulisic, just not tall enough there, Hurt. Yeah, he drives it, not a lot of direction. Christian Pulisic, a little behind him, doesn't get a connection. Extra time of the first half. Weston McKinney probably should have done more there. It looked like it was behind him again. Again, the set pieces were an issue all night. Very first half, uh, the one of the main complaints I had. But then things got better. Joe Reyna here, you thought he maybe should have gone to Zendejas, decided to go on his own, a little selfish, off the post. Mm, good chance for the United States right there at the beginning of the second half. Gio Reyna, who pretty quiet up to this point, but almost Hitting the goal there at the near post. Still scoreless in the second half. 62nd minute. Ricardo Pepe, fresh off the bench, onto the score sheet. Yeah, it's his first touch of the game. It's a delicious ball from Weston McKinney. Ricardo Pepe stays strong. Watch this. Uses his body, stays strong, feels the defender, then just a delicate chip. Just a nasty finish. Ricardo Pepe with the goal here. Also, of course, lighting it up in the air to Vizzi for Ronigan. Speaking of the Eredivisie, a guy we've all wanted to see a lot of, Taylor Booth involved here, finds Pepe, 79th minute, almost a second. Yeah, Pepe was very active coming on. It's a good little touch here, watch him set himself up. The defender turns his back, but off that little calf right there and pulls it wide. So in the end, the United States does get all three points by the minimum difference, one nothing winners over El Salvador, thanks to the goal from Ricardo Pepe in the second half. And that leaves CONCACAF Nations League, League A Group D like this. The United States, your group winners, and they will advance to the Final Four in Las Vegas later this summer. All right, Herc, we'll get to the uh, individuals a little bit later. But overall, what do you think of the U.S. performance tonight against El Salvador? They won. 
that's about the biggest positive <laughs> of the night for the U.S. Men's National Team. And Ricardo mm-hmm. Pepe with another mm-hmm. goal. You get a player like him going. Listen, he's a very young player. I believe now it's, it's only Christian Pulisic and Josie Altidore. Um, to get to six goals, uh, you know, that age, uh, he's doing very good things. But as a whole, when you're talking about the U.S. men's national team, the first half, mm-hmm. lackluster, disappointing, reactive, you know, sloppy, toothless up front, all these different things you can say. The set pieces, again, are a factor. Uh, players mm-hmm. of this caliber, Christian Pulisic, who plays in one of the best leagues in the world, who dones the 10 shirt for Chelsea, just abysmal on set pieces, uh, no direction, almost a lack of motivation. This was all the first half. Second half, finally they picked it up, dug themselves out of this hole. It was Giovanni Reina being selfish in the final third, who kind of got the U.S. Men's National Team going. And then the subs made, made an impact. Uh, you know, we'll get into that, but not a lot of positives to really get out of this yeah. besides the U.S. Men's National Team won, and Ricardo Pepe got himself on the score sheet again. Yeah, you look at the lineup, there were, what, seven changes from the team that we saw against Grenada. Uh, Pulisic, McKinney, Reina, and Turner were the, the four holdovers. It, it really did hurt, and I know the competition we have to factor in. Um, El Salvador is a much better team than Grenada. It did really feel like a, a, a step back from Friday. I felt like, aside from, obviously, I think there's disappointment the U.S. didn't score more. The U.S. were also vulnerable, not necessarily in terms of like shots on goal and, and real chances for El Salvador, but there was danger. There was action for uh, Matt Turner. What do you think was missing for the United States? And maybe how much of it you think was a guy like Tyler Adams, who we it did talk Tyler about a lot. Adams. It was Tyler That's Adams. It? Yeah. You think it's, 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 just, it's, it's so much It's one of the biggest things. Him? Well, yes, and, and we're going to talk about Anthony Hudson in a bit, but you have a lot of these pieces there who know how to play with each other, who are used to you know, a certain style. He's the man who protects that back line. There is no natural six, and you had Weston McKinney playing with Eunice, uh, with Gio in front, and it was a double pivot, and, and each one did what they could trying to protect the back line. But like we saw against Granada, or Granada, excuse me, and you see that given the opposition, they were still able to make the U.S. Men's National Team feel vulnerable at times, especially in transition. There was no protection for that back line. Uh, we saw a little bit of that today. It's also good coaching, and, and Hugo Perez is, is one of the better Ooh. coaches in CONCACAF, and listen, he's he ate Greg Berhalter's lunch when they played them. He ate Anthony Hudson's lunch tonight. He did it with Ooh. USL players. He did it with a mixed bag of MLS players, some USL championship players. He's a very good coach. And, okay. and if anybody thought they were going to rout El Salvador, uh, you had another thing coming for you. This is a very well-trained team. Probably doesn't have the talent to go beyond uh, the top four in the region. Uh, maybe it's top six, and that's where they're going to have to fight. But it's a very well-worked team, and, and he's proven to give the U.S. Men's National Team fits. doesn't matter uh, what time of the year, who they have at their disposal. It, it was never going to be an easy game for the U.S. Men's National Team. Herc, let's stay on the topic of managers since you brought it up. Uh, I actually do want to ask you about Hugo Perez, but Anthony Hudson specifically, right? Because after that 7-1 against Grenada, and, and the team did look good, right? It was fun to watch that U.S. team play. I feel like there was a lot of people who were getting more comfortable with the idea of Hudson sticking around. Maybe not in a full-time capacity, but for at least a little while longer. We know timing, just in terms of the, the, the search for a sporting director, might mean we don't have a coach until well into the summer, maybe into the fall, right? How comfortable would you be with Anthony Hudson taking the U.S. through the Nations League, through the Gold Cup, based on what you've seen from the U.S. under him so far? It's really not – the comfort level doesn't depend on Anthony Hudson. It depends on the federation doing what they're supposed to do. You get A, the sporting director. He gets B, 
mm-hmm. the U.S. men's national team coach. You've done neither. So much alike when it was Dave Sarikin and it was 13 months of an interim manager waiting for Greg Berhalter to finish with the Columbus crew, here we are in limbo. This is time being lost. Anthony Hudson right now, there are good things that he's done. Let's be fair to Anthony Hudson. He's done very well in recruitment uh, with certain players like Sendejas, Balogun, Folarin Balogun. All, all signs point that he may eventually commit to the United States men's national team. We do not know. He's, they've set themselves up nicely in that category. Mm-hmm. What he's done as far as roster call-ups, as far as what he did versus uh, Granada. Uh, but let's be honest. He's not the man who's going to take you to that next level. And the next level for the U.S. men's national team shouldn't just be a quarterfinal finish, a quarterfinal appearance. It should be a top four finish if you ever had a chance to actually achieve that on home mm-hmm. soil. Something like Morocco just did in Qatar, that type of performance. And if that's not the bar, yeah. then you're not setting yourself up the right way. Is he that person to take you to that next level? No, I do not believe so. So as the time goes by, all you're doing is delaying the inevitable, which is Anthony Hudson, you know, maybe still working within the Federation, but nowhere mm-hmm. near a head coaching position. Hey, Herc, like in the short term, though, if we just think about CONCACAF Nations League and Gold Cup, would you worry about Hudson leading this team into those competitions? I would worry like, would about you... Anthony Hudson, yes. Okay, so you think yes. the U.S. would be at a disadvantage if he does stick around through those tournaments? I do, yes, absolutely. Mm. And, and no disrespect to Anthony Hudson, but if he wasn't an interim coach, he would never be in the orbit. He wouldn't even be in this conversation. You would still say, oh, Anthony Hudson, is that the guy who coached the New Zealand okay. national team and then had a flop with the Colorado Rapids? The, he said that he didn't have the personnel. The players weren't good enough. This is what it was. Like, that's it. That Anthony Hudson, he wouldn't be anywhere near the orbit of the U.S. men's national team. That's a reality. So I wouldn't feel comfortable for the U.S. men's okay. national team. I think the difference when you get to the higher level are the managers. Okay. Anthony Hudson out of the candidate pool. With the talent that you did have. I, did, I, did I hear you say Hugo Perez into the candidate pool? Are, are you officially? No. Are you? Okay. No, you said he was I a love, very good coach. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I love Hugo Perez, but I'm not going to sit here and advocate for him to be the U.S. Men's National Team coach. What I don't understand is how good of a coach he is and played for the U.S. Men's National Team, and he can't get a job within the Federation or Major League Soccer. Mm. That blows my mm. mind. This is a man that's done so much with so little, and he can't get anybody on this side of the pond, on this side of the board, to just take a look and say, hey, Look at this guy. Maybe it's worth our time. Maybe it's worth us investing and having a look here. That blows my mind. Yep. All right. We'll see uh, what happens with Hugo Perez right now doing great work with El Salvador. Herc, let's do stock up, stock down. We promised people we would talk about the individual performances. Probably not an individual performance out there that was more heavily scrutinized, at least in this window, than that of Gio Reyna. So let's start there. Stock up or stock down for the young player? Man. So we're judging the window, right? Yeah. And what yep. goes into the window aren't just the games, because the first game was not very good from Gio Reyna. The second game I thought was more positive, given the circumstances. Certainly nothing to hang your hat on. Mm. I'm going to give him a stock up, because what we wanted to see out of Gio Reyna, especially after the Berhalters and the Reyna scandal, was a change in attitude. And mm. from all indications of what we heard in the camp, from leaders like Tim Ream, from guys like Matt Turner, uh, important players on the team, was there was a change in attitude. The chip had changed. So I will give him stock up by the most slimmest of margins. Mm, mm. But one of the biggest knocks on Gio Reyna is that body language. And we talked about it last time out. Is that body language just how he is? Does he not look like he's trying enough, et cetera, et cetera? Here's one other. 
There are moments when players on his team don't make the correct pass or don't see mm -hmm. him. Hands go up. The attitude starts coming out. You're in no position right now to be that guy. You're in no position to feel entitled in any type of way. Your ceiling is high, the highest out of anybody. But with the U.S. Men's National Team, you've not done anything to warrant that type of attitude. There are a few players in professional sports that can get away with that. Right now, you ain't him. So there mm. needs to be a reality check for Gio Reyna, who has talent level beyond probably any player that you have in this pool. And he's shown it in the limited time in that second half where maybe he takes a touch inside and he's a little bit more selfish, which I love, mm -hmm. to get his team going. He's one of those that can create something out of nothing. But those times that he's shown in this window were few and far between. That's what I'm saying, right? He gets back-to-back -back starts. So you felt like Anthony Hudson, the coaching staff, were, were saying to the player, not only do we want you in camp, not only do we want to put the pass behind us, we want to give you an opportunity that you need, not just for the U.S. national team, but think about what's going on with him at Borussia Dortmund right now. He needed minutes. He needed playing time. And for all that we talk about his talent, Hurt, outside of the shot today that, that goes off the post and, and maybe a flick here or, or a moment there, it's really hard to say that, that we saw anything, right? I mean, if you're setting the bar at, well, he came in and he behaved well. well his bar. His bar. Certainly, that's progress. But we didn't see anything like the Gio Reyna that, that we expect or hope to see back, right? No, no, no. And it isn't like we're talking about his ceiling, what he can do. Just what he's already done with the U.S. Men's National Team. We've never, we didn't even see today or versus Granada surface level to that. Mm. that. That magical run versus the Mexican National Team, you know. Uh, certain things that he's done. The first game in El Salvador, when he gets injured, he's actually one of the better players in that game, the opening window. There are moments when Gio Reyna has really responded in a U.S. Men's National Team jersey. The CONCACAF Nations League final versus Mexico, where you say, wow, what is this? It's his bar, and he didn't get mm. there. It's because of what we heard during camp, I will give him the stock up because his stock okay. was really down in the eyes of many. Okay. I got to give him a stock down for this window, perhaps because of my high expectations for the player and because that position is is packed, Herc. You know that if you're going to impress and lock down a starting spot in one of those wide positions, maybe well, centrally even in midfield. Yeah. Okay, but either one of those, there's you know, pretty stiff competition for playing time. So he needs to stand out if he's going to take somebody's job. And I don't know that, for me anyway, in these two games, he did enough. What about Daryl DK? We talk a lot about the number nine. How did Daryl DK do in this window? Came in hot, scoring lots of goals in the championship. What do you think, her? Yeah, he comes on in a limited cameo versus Granada. He, he was there, he was active, but you're like, okay, it was just a limited role. Well, he gets mm. to start. This was what everybody wanted. He wanted to see that player, the big, physical, imposing player that was supposed to dominate central defenders. It's a stock down. He didn't dominate those defenders. He wasn't even a factor in it. In fact, what makes this a bigger stock down is he had such little impact in the game, and when he comes off, it was a matter yeah. of seconds before Ricardo yeah. Pepe made his mark in the game. Ricardo Pepe, who's not physically imposing, who's not that fast, he's not that strong, in a matter of seconds, maybe a minute in, in his first touch, bodies mm -hmm. a defender, creates the space, and in the most classiest of finishes, says, hey, this is my position, thanks for coming. It's a stock down for Daryl Dike, which I had high hopes for, but Ricardo Pepe, what can you say about this player? Besides, he should have been in Qatar. It's, one, it's a travesty <laughs> that he wasn't in Qatar. Yeah. And when I heard Ricardo Pepe on that podcast say that when Greg Verhalter told him he wasn't going, he didn't respond, he just hung up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This man is out there to prove something. That something is, I should have been in Qatar. Give me my time, give me my position. I can't wait for the yeah. battle. If and when it is Folarin Balogun who is uh, fighting for time with him.
I'll agree with you here that it's a stock down for Daryl DK, and a lot of that has to do with Ricardo Pepe coming in and scoring in one minute. Also, what Ricardo Pepe did in the, in the first game, I think, Correct. probably gives him the edge. Generally, I feel like with Daryl DK at the national team level, I've always been a little underwhelmed. He's, he's produced, obviously, at club level, but at national team level, I feel like I'm I'm still waiting for that that first great performance from yeah. him in a U.S. shirt. So I'll give him a, a He had a that opportunity down. in Gold Cup, but he injured his shoulder, so many yep. of us gave him a pass for it. Okay, uh, what about Alex, not Alejandro, Alex Sendejas? Stock up or stock down? You think people were focused on Gio Reyna. They were focused on Sendejas this window as well. Now cap tied the United States. Yeah, it's the window, so I'm going to give him a stock up. Listen, you, you come in on your debut and you score a goal. You are very active in those 25-plus minutes that you're on the field. As the window on a hole, you made your mark. You're going to get more opportunities, so that's a stock up, right? Mm. This game, I thought he struggled like many in the U.S. men's national team jersey. I thought there were very few bright spots, honestly. Uh, one of those bright spots was probably a uh, Miles Robinson, a Ricardo Pepe. Uh, but other than that, I'm really struggling to come up with these other bright spots. I thought he was like the rest. Um, so I'm going to give him stock up for the window. But I felt at times for being asked to play as a winger, and I told you I don't see him as a winger, and I've told you that I don't think he sees himself as a winger. I think he sees himself as a central player, as an eight, box to box. He comes in centrally, and I think that's when he gets himself in trouble, where he got himself in trouble with the U.S. men's national team. It didn't look so interchangeable, so fluid uh, as the first game for Alejandro Sendejas, uh, but overall, it's a stock up. Man, I feel very strict here. I'm giving him a stock down again, maybe just down to my expectations, seeing this player, not every week recently because he's been injured, but pretty much every week with Club America. There's a, there's a productivity that I expect from him that wasn't there today. You mean like um, a goal? Again, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like a goal. Oh, okay. I'd like an assist. I'd like, you know, a little something. Well, he's from Alejandro Sendejas. And I, honestly, I think, I think I would also suggest that going back to the January camp. Right? Like, I don't think we've seen Club America's Endejas with the national team. Maybe that's too much to ask, but I'm not handing him a well, stock Well, you actually up. didn't like him in January camp. Most people did, which is strange. What, that most people disagree with me? I think, I think that's actually pretty, uh, pretty normal. Any, really quick, <laughs> really quick. Any ups for you outside of Ricardo Pepe? Anybody that, that Miles you want to throw up at? My, Miles okay. Robinson. Listen, Just we spoke to him back. in MLS Media Day. Um, 26 years old, coming off a, a Achilles tear, the tendon tear. It's not an easy thing to do, coming back on turf with Atlanta United, a player who I think has a European future. He was very bright. He, he's one of the more athletic players on the team, good presence, very good in kind of taking those fires out, putting those fires out before they even start. I thought he did extremely well. Uh, it's important to have a player like him next to a Tim Ream, especially a Tim Ream who's going to be flying across the Atlantic when he does come for the U.S. men's national team. So I, I thought he was stellar, uh, very impressive, and what I called a see a bad to be uh, tame. All right, so the U.S. beats El Salvador 1-0 in Orlando. That means they win their group in the CONCACAF Nations League. They're going to the Final Four in Las Vegas later this summer. But the big story around the U.S. for the last couple weeks, at least, has been the case of Fullerin Balogun, young player who's come up in the Arsenal Academy system, played for England at the youth national team level, U.S. as well, and can also, of course, represent Nigeria. Here's the latest from Gareth Southgate, England manager. Quote, I haven't spoken to Balogun yet because to this point, he has been with the under-21s and very happy. Clearly, other nations have been quite aggressive in their recruitment and what they are offering. That, in my experience of history, has sometimes been really successful for the players and sometimes hasn't worked out. 
I've seen countries cap players at 16 or 17 and they've disappeared. In the end, as a player, I think you back yourself, but you have to go ultimately make the decision. We would like him to give it some time. And if he is progressing the way he is and continues that progression, there will be opportunities for him. But I cannot offer him that this week. I think if we did, I don't think that would be fair on Ivan Tony, who has scored the goals he has in the Premier League. Flo, we like. He's obviously not had an opportunity in the Premier League yet. So we have to weigh up those goals to Ivan, for example, or Ollie Watkins, or Eddie Nketiah, who has done really well with the opportunity he has had at Arsenal. A lot to unpack there from Gareth Southgate. Uh, shots fired at Balogun League. Um, maybe the USA for their aggressive recruiting. Perk, is any of it warranted from the England manager? Sure. It's also short-sighted of them. Um, it's also a very arrogant take. The Premier League is the only league in the world. It is the best league in the world for my money. But to assume it's the only league in the world, to assume that a player that is battling for the golden boot with the likes of Kylian Mbappe, with the likes of Neymar, Messi who play there, Lacazette, um, it is very short-sighted. A, a player who your U21s value very much, they seem very upset that this is happening, who could potentially do something in the future for you, it's short-sighted to say, hey, not right now, maybe go play in the Premier League someday and we'll check you out. But all the players that Southgate mentioned are not even 30 yet. And he has mm -hmm. a player in 29 years of age, Harry Kane, who's the all-time leading goal scorer for the English national team. He can say this because England has the luxury of maybe turning away players. Mm -hmm. And he also has the luxury of not setting precedent because if you do this for one dual national, you may have to do it for all the dual nationals. And he's right. If you think about the U.S. men's national team, let's say this was a player of dual citizenship for Mexico or Honduras. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't say just cap time to cap time, would you? That's actually something that on this show we've been very much against. And it's not about being predatory with your cap ties. But it is about, in Flo's case, going where yeah. you feel valued, going where you feel there's a future. And ultimately, if that's not England, if this is the ultimate say that gets you to believe, like, hey, my time's not there, that's what it is. But it are shots fired in multiple places. But there's also a sense of truth here. Yeah, there's a line for me between like a, a, what they're calling a predatory call-up when you're, you're capping a kid in, at, at a very young age without a real plan for him. Right. And, and, and maybe this situation specifically with, with Balogun. And I think Southgate is kind of putting those two into, a, into the same conversation right. when they're really different. Um, I don't know about you. You seem like a pretty cool cat. I'm sure when you were younger, you didn't get dumped a lot. Uh, I, I may have been dumped a few times. This sounds like pre-breakup talk, right? This sounds like... Okay, I know the other person, their interest is fading in me. I'm not that interested. I can't really do anything. I, I think this is Gareth Southgate basically were they ever, saying... Were they ever courting? Were they ever dating? I, I think this is Gareth Southgate saying, hey, sorry, like, I can't bring this kid in right now. Stop asking me about it. It's not going to work, and we're going to be okay when he goes to the U.S. You can make the case it's a little bit naive. It's England maybe not adjusting to the new realities of world football. But maybe they're just that deep. Maybe that's how Southgate sees the program. But for me, Herc, when you added on to all the other stuff, and we, we love to, to check out Balogun's social media, you saw the post today where he puts the American flag up, recapping all his, his journeys in the United States. Uh, and I think many people have pointed out there's not as much uh, English national team gear on his Instagram feed as before. So it really feels like, and I know each of the last few shows we've said this, all of the momentum now is Balogun to the U.S. It, it does. And you also have to realize what it means for maybe the U.S. men's national team compared to England. England may just lose a player, but if the U.S. men's national team lose <coughs> this player, 
a lot of people may feel they lost a generational talent. Yeah. In a pool like the U.S. Men's National Team pool, you can't just go around turning away certain players. You need to unearth a lot of different stones and see what you have. Yeah, let's see. Maybe Balogun will be part of the U.S. Nations League roster where her... The U.S. may end up playing Mexico. Now, that wouldn't be that much of a surprise. It would be a surprise to a lot of people if they meet in the semifinals. So here are the scenarios that would lead to a Mexico-USA matchup in the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. Definitely not what the folks at CONCACAF, Herc, at least not in the uh, ticketing office, want to hear. Oh, uh, my Panama goodness. would have to win by five goals, and Canada and Honduras would need to draw. Uh, Panama tire win by less than five goals, or Costa Rica wins, plus the Canada Honduras result there. Uh, as you can see, it's it's pretty complicated, but there's a at least decent chance that we could get a USA Mexico semifinal in the CONCACAF Nations League. Time to check in on what the good folks from Twitter are saying and check the mentions. First up, what do we got from Doran? Is playing Mexico in the semifinals, speaking of, better or worse than playing them in the finals for the U.S. men's national team? Well, Mark, what do you say? Worst case scenario for three entities. Uh, the Mexican yeah. national team, the U.S. men's national team, and CONCACAF. Absolute worst case scenario. CONCACAF wants their money in the final. They want to mm -hmm. fill up Allegiant Stadium. They, they want to see it to the brim like Gold Cup was. Uh, they want to see Mexico versus the United States men's national team. I know this isn't Gold Cup, but Gold Cup is designed for these two to meet in the final. Very mm -hmm. much so, this is still the plan for CONCACAF. And Mexico, which is very much a work in progress right now, uh, and much of the same, and we'll get into that in a second, uh, and U.S. men's national team right now with no direction, this is worst-case scenario for both of them. I mean, the, the pressure would be immense. We could see either one of them, it, it would be a failure not to make it to the final. This, this would be worst-case scenario for, for those parties involved, absolutely. Yes, uh, except for our good friends in Canada. They would probably lo love a, a slightly or easier path. Or, or Costa Rica. The final. Or Honduras. Yep, yeah, <laughs> wide open, wide open. Could be anybody on the other side uh, of that bracket should it shake out that way. Next up on Check Dimensions, Jacob asks, which player can grow the most as this cycle begins? Herc, who do you think has the, uh, the biggest upside? Kind of short term of guys we've talked about. Not Gio Reyna, but the guys we're focusing on now. Guys that we're focusing on now, newcomers that we've not heard of, or do you want me to go just in general in the pool? Because I think Ricardo Pepe is primed for something special. We already mm. heard about the PSV rumors. Uh, he's a player that just scores for fun. He went through a rough patch, and I think since, it's made him better. It's made him stronger. And the U.S. men's national team was a final chapter for that. I think we're going to see the best of Ricardo Pepe. Bigger, better things are to come. Mm. A Pepe-Balligan combo up top, any chance? Because if, if Balligan commits, Pepe's still number two, yeah? If that's the case and you want to play with the 10, or sorry, if you want to play with the 10, if that's the case, I'd rather just see two nines. All right. Oh. Uh, last up here on Check Dimensions. What do we got? Joseph, where can the USA go play to make sure we always sell out the game? Should USA have a dedicated stadium for its games? Uh, what do you think? Was, it, was the atmosphere in Orlando, it didn't live up to its usual... Usual buzz. We've been there for some big Orlando City games. That place gets loud. It does for Orlando games. Like it's, it's a nasty and fan national base for team. Orlando I've been there games. for some U.S. games, too. I've been there for some U.S. games, too, and Orlando's got a good crowd, but it's a very international crowd, so it comes with the territory. You're not going to turn away other fans of, of other countries, you know. It's be very difficult to get that type of atmosphere like you maybe saw in the mm -hmm. old Columbus days. Um that's the thing. You know, you're going to have to start embracing some of your more, uh, I guess, 
American fans, because they're all American fans, the majority who come out to watch the U.S. Men's National Team play whomever. You just need to make it a pro-U.S. Men's National Team crowd. And how you do that, I don't know. Is there one set place? Midwest has always worked for the U.S. Men's National Team. I think that's the spot. Outside of Crew Stadium, was there a place during your time with the U.S. team that you felt was like a real solid home? Outside of Crew Stadium? Yeah. <sighs> Say RFK. No, RFK with the <laughs> raccoons. Come on. Uh, I mean, there's uh, nothing RFK, like playing in Columbus, the old Columbus Stadium. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely a U.S. stronghold if there ever was one here in the States. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, let's move on to Mexico against Jamaica. Great game uh, Sunday night at a very rainy Estadio Azteca. Pick this one up early on. Long ball from Jamaica. And trouble here for Mexico. Bobby Cordova Reed, golazo. Bobby Reed, it's a golazo. Like you ain't, I don't care who you are, you're not stopping that. Look at that. One times it, side puts it, golazo. 17th minute. Mexico with the response. Chucky Lozano through Henry Martin or Elin Pineda. 1-1. All right, Seb, you tell me. Did Henry Martin mean to do this? Was this back heel on purpose? 100% meant to do it. You're, 100%. You're, Great you're, Luis you're, you're on something. Stop. There as well. 32nd minute. Own goal off Edson Alvarez. 2-1 Jamaica. After everything that happened with Edson leading up to this play, this is going to happen to him? Seriously? Come mm. on. Hey, uh, there was some shouts of a foul on that. Did you see anything? It's no. No. Weather delay. Stopped the game in the first half. Once they got going, Mexico in the attack. Henry Martin chopped down in the box. Clear penalty. Yeah, Morrison, I don't know what he's doing there. Just an ill-timed challenge. Takes Henry out. Any day of the week, that's a penalty. Ravel Morrison. Still on the books at DC United, shockingly enough. Chucky Lozano right down the pike. Mexico 2-2. It's a good shot by Chucky Lozano. Chucky Lozano got himself going. It's been a while. It's been a long while. All right, into the second half. Still 2-2. Mexico with a chance. Luis Chavez, great ball for Jesus Gallardo. Leaves it for Raul Jimenez. Just come off the bench. Ay, he ay, fires ay. wide after the deflection. Ay, ay, ay. Luis Chavez, one of the better players. 
for the Mexican national team, to one of the better players in the World Cup, and Gallardo to one of the players that maybe shouldn't have been there in the World Cup, Raul Jimenez. Diego Linez wasn't at the World Cup. Off the crossbar. El Vector! El Vector! El Vector! Still waiting for that goal. Mm. Close, but no cigar. Game finishes in a 2-2 draw. Here's the final Group A standings then in CONCACAF Nations League. Mexico with the win. They are through to the final four. Uh, as we mentioned, Jamaica stay in put and Suriname, of course, then will be relegated. Let's hear from Diego, po Diego Coca post-game. Bueno, lógicamente con el resultado inconforme, ¿no? El, el objetivo era ganar, pero creo que las formas y lo que mostró el equipo y la personalidad y, y el juego que mostró el equipo me demuestran que ese es el camino, que, que, que se sintieron identificados, que les gustó la idea. Yo, si Dios quiere, tengo un proceso de tres años y medio. Eh, llevo un mes, ¿no? llevo diez días con los jugadores. 10 días y en un mes y medio tenemos muchísimas conclusiones, sabemos muy bien qué tenemos que, que ajustar, qué tenemos que apretar, qué tenemos que mejorar, qué tenemos que acompañar y eso es el trabajo nuestro, así que las conclusiones que, es, que hemos sacado hasta ahora son la gran mayoría muy positivas y hay que seguir trabajando de la misma manera. All right, Herc, it's just two games, but are Mexico moving in the right direction so far under Diego Coca? I don't think it's any direction. It looks like much of the same, Seb. It looks like how they ended with Tata Martino. It looks like the cycle of Tata Martino. It was really that bad. It's a lot of the same players. I mean, you look at the starting lineup, 10 of those players played against Saudi Arabia, started against Saudi Arabia. Uh, out of the 30-something players called in, 20 of them were at the World Cup out of the 26. It really feels like much of the same. I really don't know what to say about the direction that this team is going. I mean, you could say, like, maybe they were a bit more offensive, but... Again, yeah. not taking care of opportunities and chances when they have them at home, playing that way, very vulnerable at the back, and then leaving with your own fan base in El Estadio Azteca, which no longer is that fortress booing you, it feels like much of the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, uh, there's not a lot of reasons for optimism if you're a Mexico fan. Maybe you could say in the game against Jamaica, they look slightly more dangerous that's like one reason for optimism everything else for me is is a reason for pessimism uh, as you said correctly i think it's a lot of the same old same old especially like the, the goals from jamaica right it's a long ball always an issue for mexico that that creates the first goal and honestly kind of like lazy defending which yeah. has been a, maybe a more recent issue for mexico that hasn't clearly been fixed and the second goal comes off a player who's struggling in his own way maybe right now and it's on Alvarez. But a corner kick, you know, a, a corner kick that Set for piece. ages yeah. has been a problem for Mexico. So the big problems haven't been fixed, either in defense uh, or in attack. And then, and I think this is important, Herc, if you're a Mexico fan, you're constantly comparing yourself to what else is happening around CONCACAF. Obviously, Canada still has to go. But when you look at what the U.S. did, 7-1, and hey, maybe it wasn't pretty against El Salvador, but you look at it tonight, and it's a win at home instead of a draw at home. Like, I just don't see where the reasons for optimism are, where the progress is for Mexico. And beyond that, Herc, we have to be honest, huh? In the final minutes of this game, when Jamaica had a corner kick in stoppage time, that, that was all hands on deck, nervous for Mexico. Mexico was inches, moments, one play away from a huge fracaso, Herc, and missing out on the final four. And I think that would have led us to a totally different talking point today. And that's how close Mexico was, huh? 
That's how close they were to not winning their group in the CONCACAF Nations League. So if you want to say there's signs of progress, I don't see them. Or at least I haven't seen him yet. Like uh, let's, get <laughs> let's get to uh, what Chucky Lozano said in this interview post-game at Azteca because he had a very interesting message hook for L3 fans who, of course, were, were booing the team and specifically seemed to go after Memo Joe. We'll talk about that a little bit. Quote, they have to support us. They have to be behind us. None of my teammates want to lose. They always give their best. We're trying to win. We're winners. The problem is that sometimes the media affects the relationship between the team and the fans and they need to support us. That's all I ask of fans, support us, each player, because they all give their all and they all want to be here. All right, Herc, Fuki Lozano getting a lot of heat for these comments down in Mexico. Should he get lost? Yes, Chucky Lozano should get lost. Listen, there's a more nuanced discussion that we don't have the time for about the role that the press does or doesn't play in the toxicity that revolves and surrounds the Mexican national team. There really is, right? But to feel that a fan isn't entitled to express their opinion and why they're expressing said opinion. They're not booing you because they think you're terrible. They're booing Memo Ochoa because of what he represents. They're booing you because of what's going on. Nothing's changed. It's the same old, same old. It's the same green jersey, different players, same problems. There's no generational change. Nothing has uh, gone by. It's, it's a coach with a flawed process of how he's hired. It's all the same. That's why they're booing you. They're not booing you because they think you're a terrible player. They're booing you because they don't see even a change in attitude. It's the same thing that they've been witnessing for so long. And they realize themselves that El Estadio Azteca isn't the place it used to be. Mm, yeah, it's, it's exactly what we saw from Tata Martino's Mexico, right? 70% possession, 25 shots, only four of them on goal, right? Dominant in every way that you could be on paper, but not really effective, not really dangerous. So we've talked about it on this show a lot, the, the loss of the Azteca mystique, right? And I think one of the reasons has to do with like sporting reasons. And that's because a lot of Mexican players now play in Europe. And so they're not as accustomed to playing altitude. back in Mexico City with the altitude. Yes. Every other reason, right, that Mexico has lost its, its sporting edge at home comes down to business. We've talked about all of them, right? There's, there's not as many seats in Azteca. That comes down to business in the NFL. That's right. They reduced uh, they're it. They're not playing games in the day because they want to be in prime, prime time. time. They don't TV. play as many games in Mexico, right? Because they want to get that American dollar. And all of those things, whether they lead to poor results in Azteca or just a distance between the Mexican fans who are at these big games, these meaningful games, and the team itself, which is what Chucky is talking about, those are all down to business decisions, which I get it. If you're a player, you're saying, that's not on me. Here's the thing, Herc. It's never going to change. So the only way that the Mexican national team is going to get the fans back on their side, as toxic as it is, and I agree with Juki, Mexican fans have an impact on this national team at Azteca, and it's not always good. In fact, recently it's been more bad than good. But at this point, the only people that are going to change that, Herc, are the guys in the uniforms because it ain't coming from the Federation and it ain't coming from anywhere else. So for Chucky to say, hey, guys, please support us. Sorry. I, I think the players are going to have to prove it before well, any uh, any fans make that. Well, they're not. They're decision. not. He's not even asking, please. It's, the, it's like these players aren't even saying, hey, be good people. They're almost accusing the fans of being bad fans, which is the total opposite of what you should do. It's not the fans fault that the stadium used to hold one hundred and twenty thousand seats. 
literally 120,000 souls in that place. And it was incredible to play. And it was incredible mm -hmm. to witness. I've been there. And then all of a sudden, NFL comes through. Let's put in plush seating because the NFL wants it. Let's put in these suites. And you reduce it to like 88, 90. And then you only had about 56 yesterday. It's not the same feeling. It's not the fans' fault. It's not their fault that the player pool has been weakened. It's not their fault that there are not more players in Europe playing at the highest of levels. But they're used to seeing the Mexican national team dominate this region. And all of a sudden, nobody, nobody respects the Mexican national team in the Estadio Azteca. And that's where it hurts them. Yeah, the attitude from Chucky Lozano is basically like, hey, you should support us no matter what. No, not after you draw it home against Jamaica and not coming off the worst World Cup since 1978. So I think there's a lot of context there that makes the Mexican fans uh, more upset than ever. Let's play a quick edition, Herc, of Trinder, okay? Uh, as I understand it, a swipe left here means we're getting them out of there. If we like the player and their future with El Tri, then we're gonna swipe right, okay? As I understand First on it. our list. First on our list. Well, you know, you, you're older, you're, you're in your 40s. I don't know if you know anything about this, this kind of young technology. Raul Jimenez. Swiping right or swiping left? What do you think? Left. We need to come to terms that Raul Jimenez is no longer the player he once was. There was a stretch of about 18 months where he was one of the better players, better strikers in the Premier League. That's a reality. A solid number nine with link up play, solid combination IQ, a great heading ability who would score goals. November 2020 comes about an unfortunate incident with David Luiz. Since then, he's not the same player. That clash of heads, uh, uh, an incident that almost took his life, has changed him, not as a player, but as a person forever. He's not the same one. Three goals this season, all EFL goals, zero Premier League goals. We look at the last World Cup cycle, he scored three goals. Or, I'm sorry, since that incident with David Luiz, he scored three goals. In the last three years, three goals. They've all come for the, for the Mexican national team in penalty kicks up. He's not the same player. And the sooner the Mexican public and Diego Coca realize it, the better all parties will be. Yeah. So he didn't play against Suriname and then got, what, 30 minutes against Jamaica. You saw the highlights. For me, there's, there's two plays to point at. There's the one that we did see her in the highlight where Gallardo lays it off to him. And I feel like a competent, informed striker takes a touch there and buries it. He takes a wild swing at it, right? Like he's trying to hit a ball from 40 yards and it goes out for a corner kick because it did go off the Jamaican defender. I think he would have missed the target it anyway. It wasn't going on goal, yeah. Exactly, and to me, a, a, an informed, confident striker knows exactly what to do with that. Raul Jimenez did it. Another play hurt that we didn't see in the highlight is a moment where Mexico puts together a, re a series of really nice touches in the penalty area. Jimenez gets to the end line and has to, all he has to do is take one extra second to find the runners in the box. He's got a wide open Chucky Lozano and he slams the ball across the box. Again, a player who has seemingly no idea what to do in the final third. And Herc, you saw it in that play. There was a severe reaction from Chucky Lozano. So I just wonder, you know, how much longer, and, and it's hard to not call Jimenez up when he's getting minutes for a team in the Premier League. Like, Mexico's not that deep at the number nine. That's why, I just wonder it's how not much that longer this can go on. Yeah. I really do. You, you didn't even mention the most glaring one. There's one where he literally passed it to the opponent. He set up a 3v2 for Jamaica in transition. One of these moments where, like, wow, like, this is Raul Jimenez today. Okay. So Raul Jimenez gets the swipe to the left.
No, thank you. Diego Linus. What do you think? Right or left? Right is good, right? Right yes. is like, okay, go to the right. And it's like the, the slightest of to the right because the pool is so weakened. And because Diego mm. Linus, I know he's not productive. I know this. There's very little in product. Uh, you, you, can, you can go to the league goals that he didn't score in Real Betis or the league goals that he didn't score in Portugal or the league goals he's not scoring right now for Tigres. He's not productive. But I'll tell you what he is. He's a super sub, and when he gets the ball at his feet for Mexico, like you perk up a little. You're like, let me see what this kid can do. And he's shifty, and he makes things happen. And he's chaotic in the offensive third. And he can create something out of nothing by his 1v1 play. It's as good as it's going to get for Mexico right now. Because of this, it's swipe right. Yeah, I'll swipe right. There's a chance off the crossbar right. That was a really good opportunity. That's why he's brought on the game. I will say this, man. And maybe it's Jamaica. A lot of those guys, especially in midfield, physically gifted. There were times, dude, when he got bullied. And he's another player that, if you think about the role at Tigres, he's basically going to get called in from here on out based on, like, name and pedigree, right? Because it's going to be he really hard to justify calling him up based on what he's doing or, I think, not doing zero it. Zero goals, zero assists since he started with Tigres. And you saw it when he came onto the field in the second half of this game. Like, I saw when he walked on, I thought, man, this might be kind of last chance saloon for Diego Linus. I think the crossbar is probably enough, sadly, uh, to get him another call up. All right, let's talk number nines. We talk Raul Jimenez, another Jimenez, Santiago Jimenez. What do you think, Antrinder? Swiping right? I mean, obviously, we're keeping this guy around. Um, so what do you think? Based on what we saw this window, you like him or you swiping left? Swipe right, so it's like this way, because, yes, we're liking. Double tap. Hmm. Oh, that's not how. All right, double tap. Uh, yeah, it's very easy, man. We're not going to get rid of Santiago Jimenez. Yeah. I know he missed a penalty kick, but do you know who, who, do you know who missed penalty kicks? Those who have the stones to take them. That's just a reality. This is a young player coming into his own. The very first penalty kick he's ever missed. We go back to the first game, the only game he played. He didn't have a ton of opportunities. He didn't yeah. see a lot of looks. Uh, it was very difficult to get him involved in the game. I think that's more the actual team and who was around him than his own yeah. not doing. So I'm going to give him a pass. This is a player that's not only for the future, but I believe will fight for time right now with Henry Martin. This is a, a like all day for me. Yeah, so he started got uh, 90 minutes against Suriname, an unused sub then against Jamaica. If anything here, obviously you're, you're swiping right, you're keeping this player. But if we were doing stock up, stock down, coming out of this window, I think you look at the two forwards and you think, all right, Mexico definitely looked more dangerous with Henry Martin, right? Henry Martin had the better window for me of the two forwards. But to your point, you got to look at the dudes that they were playing with, right? Henry Martin gets Chucky and Orbelin. Um, and who is it? Antuna and Alvarado that are flan flanking Santiago Jimenez in the game against Suriname. I was very disappointed in, in Santiago Jimenez against Suriname. Based on what we've seen from him in Europe, I thought he would be much better at that level, even if it's not the A team around him. Well, I, I listen, it's say, very, I, I was disappointed. from experience, it's very, it's very, very difficult when you get thrown into those circumstances. Throw him with the A team. If he doesn't do well with the starters, okay. then that's yep. a fair test, especially of where he is and where his level is at in Feyenoord. All right, let's talk defense. Uh, Hector Moreno, uh, DNP against Suriname, got the full 90 against Jamaica. You keeping him around or are you moving on? I keep asking myself why, right? There's a reason why multiple coaches keep playing him. It's not because they're being forced to play him. 
Is it because the likes of Johan Vasquez, who we've been so sold by others, so sold by different pundits, is the second coming of Rafa Marquez and Israel Reyes, who plays for Club America, aren't ready? Like, what's going on there that it's Moreno who's still here? And because of that, and I know he's slow, but with Cesar Montes there, maybe that could help. I don't want to give him a tap, but what's the other option here? Like, I'm, I'm nah. Nestor Araujo? Swipe left, bro. Swipe left. Time to move on. It's time to move especially against Jamaica, man. You saw you saw the, the speed. The speed's Did you see an what issue. happened to Johan and Israel versus Suriname? I'll, I'll take Johan. I'll take Johan Vasquez. No, 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 no. We're not taking it. It's it's how do they do this window? Yeah, I I, I wanna see Johan Vasquez over Hector Moreno. Yes. No, that no, is I wanna see 100%. Him. Listen, I wanna see him as well, but how did he do this window? If you had to say did he do better than Hector Moreno? Did Israel Reyes or Johan Vasquez do better than Hector Moreno this window? If they didn't, it was it was marginally different, dude. And it's time to move on. You talk about oh, a generational no. shift. If you don't move on from a guy at 35, I'm not saying not you shouldn't, Seb, but you're judging the window. Mm. 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 Nah, I'm done with him. Herc wants to keep Hector Moreno around. <laughs> I don't. One more, one more, Herc. Right. Also a defender. Mexican-American, good friend of the show, Julian Araujo. Uh, got in the second half against Suriname and the last 10 minutes against Jamaica. Swipe right, yes. Swipe left, no. Swipe right. Swipe right, double tap, do what you gotta do. Mm. Listen, if there's one player who played both legs, both games, excuse me, in this window and was a winner, it's Julian Araujo. An immediate impact when he came off the bench against Suriname, the second 45 minutes for a, a very poor Kevin Alvarez. Uh, and then this game, what was very telling to me, the score is two to two. There's 10 minutes left. You have players, offensive players, wingers, and a forward like Santi Jimenez, and he's like, let me put on Julian Araujo to go get a win. You hear him talking, you're telling, and he's telling Julian Araujo to be direct, and that's what he does. Julian Araujo immediately creates opportunities to earn that trust from a coach, get those two significant uh, cameos, though brief cameos, and set yourself apart as a different player, a player who has gifted physical attributes, but now is getting involved in the attacking third. I was thoroughly impressed with Julian. I didn't think it would go for him uh, this way in this window. He, he's a massive winner for me. Yeah, so much of uh, Trinder or Tinder are what are your other options, right? And in this window, not only does he do well, but to your point, Kevin Alvarez wasn't particularly impressive. Jorge Sanchez now, there's a, a, a significant stretch both at club and now at the international level where he's not been all that impressive. And we talk about right back being this really deep position because you've got a lot of Mexican players who are either in Europe or with European interest. But man, with what he did in these games, how physical he looked, how competent he looked, I think he's moving up that depth chart pretty quickly. Of course, uh, Julian Araujo at one point linked to Liga MX, and we have Liga MX on ESPN Plus Friday. Juarez against the first team that Hurt played for in Mexico, or first division team, Puebla. That's 11 p.m. Eastern time, eight Pacific on ESPN Plus and ESPN Deportes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E.
Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. NWSL year 11 kicking off with a bang, especially when it comes to attendance. All told, the NWSL drew more than 90,000 fans this past weekend, setting a new opening week record across the six games that were played. Some serious, serious momentum for the league. Obviously a far cry from what we've seen across the NWSL over the last couple years with all the scandal. Great to see an awesome, awesome opening week for the National Women's Soccer League. Let's get to the week one action. Is that Tony More than 30,000 fans of San Diego Wave beat Chicago Red Stars. Three to two, Alex Morgan hurt with the game-winning goal from the penalty spot for San Diego. Shocker, she scores another yeah, goal. Right. All right, yes. water is wet. Uh, shout out to Jaden Shaw as well. Big goal there for San Diego as they get the season opening win 3-2 over the Chicago Red Stars in front of a record crowd on Sunday with 15,000 in attendance. Portland shellacked Orlando, the defending champs 4-0 winner Sophia Smith her among the goal scorers. My MVP! I picked her, not you, Sebi. That was me. Correct, correct. Hercules Gomez always on the mark, so was Portland. Thorns, 4-0 winners over Orlando to kick off their NWSL championship defense. 15,000 in attendance for that game in Portland here in Washington, D.C. The Spirit got a big number and a big win. 11,000 fans at Audi Field to see the Spirit win 1-0 over O.L. Reign. Trinity Rodman, the game winner. There you go. There you go. Highest paid in the league. There you go. Great run from Rodman on that left foot, too. That'll help for U.S. Women's National Team playing Tangolazo as the Spirit win at home to kick things off. And then in L.A., Angel City, they sold the place out on Sunday but couldn't get the victory. Angel City losing 2-1 to Gotham FC despite a goal from number one overall pick Alyssa Thompson. 
All right. I said the over-under was six and a half. I took the over. That's one goal right there. And I would like to report a robbery. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. I would like to report a robbery. Okay. I know you want to talk about some VAR. Lynn Williams' mid-purse with the goals for Gotham uh, as they end up winning this game by final score of two to one over Angel City FC. And a couple other scores from the NWSL opening weekend. North Carolina beating Kansas City. 1-0 Houston and Louisville playing to a scoreless draw. All right, for more, thrilled to welcome into Football Americas our good friend Jeff Kasuf, who has uh, made it to our LA studios. <laughs> Look at that, Jeff, man. Great to have you live in the house. Yeah, Wonderful stuff. Thank you, yeah. All right, so uh, I know you've been doing a big trip out in Cali. You attended, what, both San Diego Wave and Angel City. So you got a real good taste of opening weekend. You also saw, Jeff, some massive crowds. You've been covering not just the NWSL, but professional women's soccer in the States for a long time. Just how significant are some of these attendance numbers that we saw week one? Yeah, I mean, amazing. And and to do it consistently, which I think you're starting to see in, in both of those markets and some other markets as well, is something that we haven't seen. And this is very much pushing into a new era for this league. Obviously, these California teams have, have really helped push that forward, Portland for a long time. And, and now other teams have to keep up, right? So I think what we've seen in California specifically here, two different markets, obviously. I think they've had two different approaches as, as expansion teams last year, successful in their own ways. And what they've done to put fans in the stadium to be relevant in their markets mm. is, is something really significant for those teams, but obviously for the league as well. I mean, we've seen it this weekend. It's teams like San Diego, Angel City, Portland. Massive crowds, Jeff. But you mentioned those markets that are probably struggling. One of those, like a few others, Chicago. How does a team like Chicago or a market like Chicago keep up so it's not like the haves and have-nots? Yeah, I think that problem has existed in this league for a while. And for a long time, the, the ambitious ownership groups that wanted to push the league forward were outnumbered, right? And now you see that that has sort of shifted. These two California teams have come in. Spirit have changed ownership. Utah's coming back into the league. So that balance is shifting, but it still exists as somewhat of a divide. So, um, you know, a team like Chicago, for starters, they're for sale. So there's a huge sort of, they're in limbo in that sense, a big question mark. And, you know, I think that there's a real problem there that maybe doesn't necessarily get solved by new ownership, which mm. we've talked about forever, we know from the fire, is, is Bridgeview, that location. So how do you solve that? And I, I think that's whoever buys that team, assuming that it stays in market, which, you know, Commissioner Jessica Berman has been very strong about not wanting to relocate teams. I, I don't know how they solve that, but that's number one on their list. All right, let's put Jeff on the spot here. Okay, so he was, he was at Angel City that's right. this weekend. He was at San Diego this weekend. I want a comparison. Tough life, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, Really, right? Really. Uh, I want a comparison of the two atmospheres, and and maybe if you've got one, which one you thought was better. Yeah, I think think you see a little bit of the city's um, personalities come through in that. You know, I think it's a little bit more laid back in San Diego. Obviously, 30,000 plus, 32 is the record that they set recently. You know, the numbers are there, and they're loud. Um, I think it's a little bit more of a a chilled-out vibe. I would say everything in L.A. was extra. I mean, it was, you know, the pregame, the the hype. It was like you came for some pure entertainment on top of the soccer. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. My phone's probably blowing up already. You're asking me which one was better. But um, <laughs> I think I, I would say this. Both great, obviously. As, as you said, somebody who's kind of been waiting for these kind of moments, impressed with both, especially the scale. But, you know, <laughs> 
to see LA be a team that is, you know, right in the city to be attracting sort of that young adult sort of not afraid to to be you know, push the limits and, and be edgy. And, and it's not just women's sports, it's sports. Um, and to hear that crowd, you know, even though a smaller number than San Diego, they're on top of the field, they're booing the refs for some questionable decisions, engaged. Um, you know, I, I'm really impressed with that, especially coming from what we've come from for so many years, waiting for things like this. And we've been waiting for both of those markets, to be clear. Jeff, before I ask you something else, I, I want to piggyback off the L.A. San Diego comparison. Uh, I, I experienced the bank, you know, now BMO. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium. But to see Snapdragon, what's Snapdragon like compared to the bank? I mean, beautiful, brand new. It's big. It's open. Um, it's a little bit more removed from sort of downtown um, and, and, you know, BMO a little bit closer. So, you know, I, I think it's the challenge there is probably 30, 32,000 is full all the way. Right. And I think it should be celebrated if they can fill that lower bowl all the time. But you have that little bit of a challenge maybe where, you know, I don't think you're going to get that every single game. And 20-something a game maybe should still be celebrated for sure. But maybe that's a bit of a challenge where obviously 20,000 in L.A., that's full. That's on top of everybody. So um, it's just a bigger stadium. And, and with that, you know, it's, it's always a little bit harder, I think, to kind of get that intimacy that, you know, we've gotten used to in this country with MLS, with, you know, these, these stadiums that are built to put you 10 feet from the, you know, the touchline. All right, enough of the Chanclásico. That's what they're still calling it, right? The Chanclásico. <laughs> Terrible name, by the way. Uh, let's get on Hater. to something, uh, well, still not so positive. VAR made its debut in NWSL, especially uh, this weekend. It was big news in the Angel City versus Gotham game. Uh, you were there. Give me your first impressions about how VAR VAR was uh, done in WSL and, and if you think it played an impact. Well, it certainly played an impact on the result. I, I mean, I think that June Endo goal... I mean, for, as a neutral, just a bummer to see that canceled out because it was so nice. Going um, asshole. And, and look, Gotham was reeling at that point, right? It's 2-0. The stadium explodes at that point. I, I think that oh. that goal stands at 2-0, the way that the momentum shifts. I, I think that could get really ugly. Gets 1-0 to halftime. Six minutes into the second half, we've got the another VAR moment. And, you know, it's 1-1, and, and Gotham sort of figures it out from there. The, the penalty... I can see. Uh, what I don't necessarily see is a clear and obvious error to actually reverse it in terms of like how obvious that foul was. There's some contact, but the first one, I don't know. I mean, this is where I'm sure we've had these conversations in so many leagues. Like, if that's getting reversed for that foul before Junendo gets the ball, I think we've taken it a little bit too far. Like, that doesn't even look like a foul. It didn't get called in the run of play. And then a minute later after that goal, um, to, to have that go under the hood and be called back, I think, is, is um, an overstep, really, it feels mm -hmm. like. Herc definitely thought it was an overstep. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I was one of the people that booed. City gear. <laughs> All right, uh, let's focus on the senior international level, Jeff, while we have you here, because U.S. soccer announcing today that tomorrow they're going to drop the U.S. Women's National Team's April roster. Give us some of the key things that you'll be looking out for tomorrow when that roster drops. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think this is first, 
last international window before the World Cup, before we get the World Cup roster, send-off game, and then they, they head off to the World Cup. So a little bit unique from previous cycles where there's a big gap there that's going to put a lot of emphasis on league play. You know, Sophia Smith, obviously, we've seen now is, is healthy again and, and is back from uh, missing the early part of the year with the U.S. So uh, I think that'll be obviously a welcome sign to, to pair her up with Mal Swanson, who's been on fire so far for the U.S. and, you know, in her debut with the Red Stars this season. So uh, I think that's a big one. Tuna Davidson obviously was in training camp for She Believes, just as a training camp player for part of it. Um, you know, is, is she back in the picture? She's obviously, she played for the Red Stars, so you'd expect so. So I, I think that this is the one where we've been talking about these injuries, we've been monitoring. You know, Kat Macario is one, I think, maybe the big one that we've been waiting for, and, and she hasn't really seen time yet in France. So what does that look like, and what does that mean, you know, for any of these players? What does it mean if they're not in in April, right? And mm. we've talked about this mm. because there's no, there are no more windows. So if you're Vlaco, then you're looking at, okay, well, of course, this is a talented player, whoever it is. I want them in. I want them in for the World Cup. But then you're relying on that club form and getting them in for a couple weeks before the World Cup, which I think is a really tall order in, in a lot of intangible ways to reintegrate a player. All right, there he is, Jeff Kasouf. Great stuff, as always. Safe travels uh, back home. You can catch his work, obviously, at ESPN.com, Equalizer Soccer as well. Jeff, thanks, as always, for the time. Great to have you with us here on Football America. Yeah, great to be here. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Der Klassiker. This Saturday on ABC, Dorman one point ahead of Bayern Munich atop the Bundesliga. Alfonso Davies against hopefully Gio Reyna. That's Saturday. Could be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of Der Klassiker. We got Derek Ray joining us for Thursday's show, so we'll be oh, looking ahead to that. Uh, Charlotte Gibson is going to join us as well. Great writer over at ESPN.com. Got a feature that she's working on on Alyssa Thompson, who you saw scored a goal, what, 11 minutes into her NWSL debut for Both Angel debuts, City. Both debuts, she scored a goal. 
So that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. As always, you can listen to us on the podcast. Just download it. Search Football Americas wherever you download your podcast or find us in the ESPN FC feed. He's Herc. I'm Seth. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you Thursday right here on Get ESPN+. Get some rest, Seth. Plus. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.